You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine with your host, Northwestern University internist, Dr. Lee Friedman. How can the study of molecular genetics of inherited retinal degenerations help develop approaches for the treatment of these and other diseases? With us today to discuss the latest on ocular gene therapy is Professor of Ophthalmology at Penn Medicine, Dr. Jean Bennett. Dr. Bennett, welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, we are thrilled to have you for this very interesting topic. And uh, perhaps we could start by uh, asking you uh, what drew you to this particular area of interest. I did some training early in my career with a person who was developing gene therapy for systemic disease. And this was way before we knew what even many of the genes were which caused different diseases. I really liked the idea of what he was doing, though. It just made so much intuitive sense that one could treat a disease by correcting the gene defect or adding back a normal gene. So in my various training uh, opportunities, I picked up a little information about different organs and um, and then realized that the eye has many different advantages for gene transfer. And so I decided to harness those, and ah. that sort of launched my career. Oh, very good. Very good. And from a more uh, bench perspective, are there particular projects that your lab is looking at? Yes, indeed. We have been involved now for four years in a gene therapy trial for children with an inherited form of blindness. It's called labor congenital amaurosis. It's a rare disease, but probably one of the worst forms of blindness in that it affects very young children, infants, Mm. in fact. They're usually identified first as having a problem by their parents. So we've been running this trial, which is a phase one and two trial. It's a safety and efficacy study, which has gone really well. All of the subjects, all 12 of them who have been enrolled in this study, have shown improvements in their vision, and it's really transformed their lives. So that's one study, and we're, we are actually going to be moving forward very shortly on a phase three study for this condition. That's the sort of study where one hopes at the end to be able to get approval from the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, that this could be prescribed for people who have this particular condition. And we're working on several other gene-based strategies to treat other different forms of retinal degeneration Those include choroideremia, other forms of congenital blindness, um, Stargardt macular degeneration, and then also some, we're developing along with our, our colleagues some strategies to try to reverse blindness in conditions where we don't know the genetic defect, hmm. i.e. develop a sort of a generic treatment for blindness. Are all of these things strictly congenital, or are there possible applications down the road for things that are not felt to be strictly congenital disorders? No, I I think there are applications down the road for adult-onset diseases as well. The advantage of this congenital disorder is it's so bad that we can see an effect right away. But we are actually working on diseases such as retinitis pigmentosa, which often is not diagnosed until adulthood, and also choroideremia is is usually a disease that's diagnosed in late teenage years or adulthood. But the approach we're using to reverse blindness in a sort of a generic fashion could potentially be used to treat 
diseases as diverse as age-related macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy, wow. retinopathy or prematurity, or even retinal detachments that have not been treated successfully. That's incredible. The potential there sounds tremendous. Yes, we're very excited about it. <laughs> now, if we take a step back for some of these congenital disorders, are you starting by trying to identify the mutations or the abnormal genes in these patients, or is this something that's already out there and you're working just on therapy? You mentioned a really key step. It's really important for these directed strategies to know what the cause of the disease is, first of all, so that the therapy can be developed according to that particular mutation, and later on when clinical trials are taking place so that the appropriate people are enrolled who could have the potential for benefit. So we are actually running a program to try to identify the gene defects in these various forms of blindness and there are a number of other wonderful groups in the United States and around the world who are doing this as well. It's a very active area, not only of investigation, but there are also clinically certified laboratories to do this now for diagnostics. And are you looking at certain genes, certain chromosomes? How, how do we go about identifying what the problem is in a complex congenital illness? A lot of the uh, testing is guided by the clinical exam. There are certain hallmark features for particular forms of blindness which would suggest that it might be due to a certain number of gene defects. And, and so there was sort of a triage process in terms of estimating what those defects would be in terms of the testing. But oftentimes the test results come out without any clear-cut cause in terms of a gene, specific gene. And that's where we get into the arena where there is sort of new gene diagnosis, trying to identify causes of the diseases which have not yet been discovered. And with the advent of new sequencing, DNA sequencing te techniques such as next-gen sequencing, it becomes possible now to screen and for and identify new genes in many of these conditions. So that's an area that we are involved in and in many, many other groups around are looking at as well. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and joining me to discuss the latest on ocular gene therapy is Professor of Ophthalmology at Penn Medicine, Dr. Gene Bennett. Now, Dr. Bennett, once a potential genetic cause or contributing factor is identified, how does one go about then trying to come up with therapy? There's no prescribed pathway for doing this, but um, what we and others are doing around the country, around the world now, are trying to, first of all, determine whether the problem is due to a lack of a production of a certain protein that mm -hmm. would be encoded by the particular gene in question. In that scenario, the thinking is that the most appropriate strategy would be to deliver a normal copy of the genes to overcome the problems that fall downstream of having a lack of this protein in the tissue. Mm -hmm. And so the strategy is to hopefully obtain cells from a patient who has this condition in which uh, this gene is normally would normally have been expressed and, and try to deliver them and test whether one can overcome the biochemical or physiologic defect, or if one's lucky enough to have an animal model of this condition to be able to test the possibility that transferring 
the gene to the eyes, if the cells in the eye involved in this condition would uh, ameliorate the defect. In other diseases, the disease is, is due to a production of a protein that is toxic. The strategy there is a little bit more complex because you have to figure out a way of removing the toxic protein or preventing the DNA from sending out the instructions to make this toxic protein. And then also adding back in a normal copy so that the, the normal protein can be produced. So there are several different strategies, but they can be tested in petri dishes in the laboratory or if there are relevant animal models in those models. And would this involve then, I guess, splicing out the, quote, abnormal gene and, and putting in the gene to encode for the proper protein? That's exactly right. In some cases, one can just deliver the normal copy of the gene, mm -hmm. which would then encode the new protein, the normal protein, or design ways of cutting out the product of the abnormal gene. And we're lucky we have a whole toolkit now that can be used to add back these genes or to remove the harmful effects of mutant genes that are present in the cell through what are called recombinant viruses. These mm -hmm. are viruses that have been neutered, i.e. the guts of the virus, which make them uh, infectious and toxic, have been removed, and we can replace those with the, the uh, normal gene of interest. These can be used, at least in the laboratory setting, to test these strategies and have been proven to be quite safe, particularly in the eye. And that's really the, what we're using to test therapy in our human clinical trial patients. That's fascinating. So the, the virus with the appropriate gene, let's say, is injected into the cell in the eye and it intercalates itself into the DNA the way a virus normally would, but it brings with it the proper gene? That's exactly right. Interesting. Do you see that this could eventually be for other organs, uh, other diseases, or are we talking mostly eye at this point? I don't think this is going to be effective for everything because there are certain technical challenges with going to different tissues and organ systems. However, I think there are many conditions where this will be useful outside of the eye and including the eye. I think what we're learning with the eye, which is obviously a small organ um, and sort of secluded organ, we can extrapolate to other tissues. For one, the eye is really kind of an outpouching of the brain. That's how it's formed developmentally. And I think what we're learning in the eye will ultimately be extrapolatable to conditions which affect the brain, um, inherited diseases such as Parkinson's and uh -huh. Huntington's disease and so forth. I think there's a lot of promise for uh, developing treatments for other harmful diseases. And with any treatment, you wonder about side effects and, and downsides. Are there some, I imagine, with this type of therapy? Certainly, and that's, of course, an area of great concern and, and something where it's wise to proceed very cautiously and taking slow steps to make sure things will be safe. In the eye, we and others have done careful studies slowly increasing the dose and testing administration to specific compartments of the eye. All the groups that have done these kind of studies have generated complementary data which show that this approach is very safe with the particular vectors, the gene delivery reagents that are being used now. And now the field is proceeding to test the safety of administrating these drugs to the untreated eye, the second eye, 
And again, so far the the data looks very promising, both in terms of safety and efficacy in terms of uh, restoring function to the eye. So I think that the way the field is progressing, i.e. slowly but taking steps which have the optimal sort of risk-benefit ratio, this will definitely lead to treatments for at least certain eye diseases and hopefully other diseases as well. Boy, that's fascinating. So you'll recognize my ignorance when I ask this. It's not a, a fear that the vector is going to go into the wrong gene, a different chromosome, and cause some abnormal protein. It's specific enough that it, it's really very safe and targeted. Well, so far, everything seems very safe. In fact, we and others do a huge number of studies prior to testing these reagents in humans just to make sure that we're not seeing anything like this in the laboratory setting. We don't want it to cause a mutation in another gene. We don't want it to integrate into the germline and cause problems in, in children that are yet to be born. You know, we don't want it to cause uncontrolled cell division, etc. So far, we have not seen anything like that. Now, there have been other targets for gene therapy in the past where different vectors have been used, i.e. vectors which integrate into the DNA. And I'm thinking in particular of a trial for a severe combined immune deficiency. And in that particular trial, although all of the children in that study were cured essentially of their disease, a few of them developed leukemia, the majority of which who were treated successfully and are doing fine. But I think the um, investigators in those studies learned a lot about those vectors, about ways which they integrated into the wrong part of the chromosome and, and have uh, re-engineered them based on those findings so that children can be cured but aren't likely to develop secondary complications. So again, that sort of uh, scenario that I just described was due to one particular vector which does integrate into the DNA but the vectors that we and other people are using at this point in time for treating the eye do not even integrate. So that's a very unexpected complication. Well, I very much want to thank our guest today, Dr. Jean Bennett, Professor of Ophthalmology at Penn Medicine, for outlining for us a very fascinating and exciting new area of ocular gene therapy that is slowly and carefully developing and holds great promise both for ocular diseases as well as diseases of other organs in the body. Dr. Bennett, thank you so much for spending time with us this week on Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. To download this program or access ReachMD on demand, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.